Tim Z. Hernandez. Welcome to another edition of Words on a Wire, uh, where we always welcome new and rising voices uh, on our show. And today's is no exception. Viva Padilla is our guest. She is a poet and writer from South Central Los Angeles and the founding editor of Dryland. It's an independent print literary journal found in South Central LA and of Hombre Lobo. It's a wonderful uh, collection of spooky stories. Uh, Chicanex Spooky Stories. She's had her work featured in the LA Times, Pink, Acentos Review, and many other places. She's read in and around LA, uh, throughout California, and in Havana, Cuba. This is uh, her first time on our show. Words on a Viva Padilla, welcome to Words on a Wire. Hey, Tim. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, it's really an honor and a pleasure that we finally were able to get you to do an interview with us. I know you're super busy and you're in the middle of moving also. So, you know, that adds uh, during yeah. the time of a pandemic, which is even crazier. But uh, so we're really grateful, grateful for you. Thank you. Yeah. Why don't you kick us off with one of your poems and then we'll go because I have a lot of you know questions for you uh, ready to go. So why don't we start off though with with one of the poems that, that you've written? Sure. I will read uh, one that I wrote um, back in October 2020 when we were still kind of like wondering. Um, actually, actually, oh my God, I got the date totally wrong. April 2020. Oh God, and it yeah, was yeah. we were we were brand new. We were brand new to the pandemic and everything. So uh, yeah. I wrote this one at that time. So okay. this one is called Utilizing Google Maps to Triangulate the Course of My Desmadre Over the Years. First start at some hospital run by nuns in Islos. Move me over to South Central to a house built in 1910 with an 80-year-old avocado tree overrun by weeds. The house never changed its bones after the Northridge earthquake but it's bracing itself for the big one. The airplanes that flew over Century Boulevard always sounded closer in the rain. The freight train to Wilmington at night disrupted my sleep. My grandpa went straight to sleep as soon as he stepped on the tracks. That train in Colima, Mexico was known to never miss a thing. An AK-47 once killed an eight-year-old boy around 1 a.m. outside of a bar down the street from my house. Since then, I imagine angry bullets are a spatial anomaly in the space-time continuum. There is no one ever there actually holding a gun. Dad's last song request was Time to Say Goodbye by Andrea Bocelli and Sarah Brightman. He said that when he fell asleep, he wasn't there anymore. He woke himself up by calling my name. I was there by his side telling him what time it was. He could feel no more pain. I swore I could feel nothing either, but it wasn't my time yet. I smoked weed on a rooftop of a converted garage in Linwood, shaved my head soon thereafter. The city blamed it on the coming and going of freight trucks, stolen panniers under the seat of truck drivers, and Little Caesars being the worst pizza because you can't eat it the next day. In Torrance, I threw a Halloween party in a barn in a backyard. No one could hear it from the street. No one lived on those streets anyway, I suspected. There's no way to know now one night, many nights, truck bed, trying to find stars. Wandered to who knows where, there's no way to know now. 
never found gold with meth heads meeting at donut shops at dawn. 80-year-old men stuck in front of TVs at two o'clock in the morning and him showing me the Mustang he couldn't put back together again. His mom begging me to marry him as she sprays raid all over his carpet. Wandered back out of South Central, who knows how. Coyotes are now surrounding the car I'm in with a man who's afraid to get high. Atop a hill on the east side, I'm always crying, he never cries. I walk up the hill, shake hands with the creatures and ask them to quiet down. They roll their eyes. Later in silence, they agree that the universe needs balance. 30 days after quarantine, I leave my house. I rolled the blunt with a tree full of mockingbirds and a chimera full of swans on the street. Me and Eva look at Kaya lilies edged onto a fence. The sky is so big above us. I dream of a house, lawn chairs and hammocks to make it real. I drive back home, park atop a hill on the east side. Can't see outside my window, my studio with its one window. A cricket is loud somewhere in the room. Can't make packs with creatures that won't stay still. So I sleep. Wow. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and we are speaking with, uh, that was the voice of LA-based poet uh, and editor Viva Padilla. Um, and we're talking with her about her various projects and work. What a wonderful poem, Viva. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Um, such a vivid, beautiful, descriptive poem, um, you know, about your experience there in, in Los Angeles during this pandemic, this time of the pandemic. Um, let me start there with my first question. You know, I know that you're involved aside from being a writer, you know, you've got so many, like I said, so many literary and community projects happening. How are you holding up during the pandemic? You know what? It's kind of been a good thing for me to kind mm -hmm. of like not be, you know, pre-pandemic, I was going out a lot and hanging out a lot. And, you know, I'm kind of like a restless soul. So I'm <laughs> yeah, always yeah. Like trying to find things to do outside of my house yeah. instead of writing. So right. it's been a good thing for me to just stay put and like focus on projects and start new projects and kind of like buckle down. So it's been yeah. a good thing on the, on one hand. Um, on the other hand, I've also been wanting to go out, you know, I, I'm still pretty restless. So I'm still sure. like wanting some of that chaos and like going, getting drunk at a bar and, you know, dancing and, and you know, all that yeah. stuff, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like, we have, it's like during this pandemic, we've stored up a, a surplus of, you know, wanting to be social so you know once 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 we get the green light it's like watch out <laughs> <laughs> that is i yeah i'm kind of like i wonder who who i'm gonna be after the pandemic yeah like am i gonna be like pre-pandemic like chill like as chill as i was or am yeah. i gonna turn up even more and be out of control you know like finally be out of control you know finally at I've last i'm not together <laughs> yeah. yeah i've been keeping it together over the years you know as Gosh. you can see in my poem I somehow keeping it together but the desmadre always calls the chaos is always calling me so i'm wondering who That's will right. i be well let me ask you you know i know for me personally the pandemic um i won't say changed my my poetry but it definitely created a shift in what I'm writing about, you know, um, and has, do you feel like that's similar to you? Has the pandemic shaped or shifted some of your poetry? Whereas prior to that, you wrote a certain way or a certain subject. And now in the pandemic, you find yourself writing about something else. Yeah. You know, I do find myself wondering more about love and mm -hmm. like wondering more about like how good it is to, to have solitude too. Right. So like, 
this whole like mm. being lonely but maybe being okay with it and at the same time wondering what love is still you know because I feel like before the pandemic I I kind of like didn't take love seriously mm-hmm. I, as I would as I I don't know I guess that's one way I would say it. Yeah. you know where I wasn't like trying to get married or anything like mm-hmm. that and just kind of you know but now that that this whole thing is going on it's making me wonder like well who will take care of me yeah, yeah, you yeah. know like once I'm 60 and and I'm old and and like, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of thinking about things like that. And I'm wondering um, mm-hmm. what it all means to get older and to be alone and right. and how we're building our lives. Like what are, how, how we're building our lives now during the pandemic is different because right. I feel like what you, the people you surround yourself with is, is kind of a reflection of, of who you really have in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's right. so wonderful to discover that. Yeah. I've been discovering like, oh, these are my real friends and these are the people I really, you know, enjoy. Yes. I'm not just screwing around, um, yeah. wasting time anymore. So right. I think there's some some good coming out of my writing in terms of like exploring uh, things a little bit, you know, things I would shy away from before. Right. That's that's why I ask, because in that poem you just read, there is a really a kind of a, a vulnerability and intimacy in there. Uh, these contemplations that you're talking about, it's all inside that poem. And I gather that I just didn't know if that's, you know, I'm new to your work. So I didn't know if that's how you've written prior to the pandemic, or if that's even kind of been because of the pandemic. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I think I've calmed down, uh, maybe in terms of anger, like before the Mm. pandemic, my poems might have been maybe a little angrier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But now they're a little bit more reflective, I guess, just to kind of simplify it in those terms. Right. You know, um, so I'm going to, sh- I'm going to, I'm going to turn a corner here a little bit and talk with you some about some of your editing, um, because this is actually how I first learned about you and your work. So I was, uh, let me take you back for a minute, uh, during the pandemic, early part of it, probably like, you know, I don't know, in spring, early spring of last year, I was at Cafe Capullo in LA with, uh, my dear oh, mm-hmm. Anna, I was my friend Anna there. And, and uh, we were walking around and, and we went into this cafe there and got some cafe and there on the shelf was a copy of, actually, I didn't know what it was first. I just was riveted and gripped and pulled towards it by the beautiful uh, and stark cover, the, the, the artwork on the cover of Dryland, which I would learn it later on after I opened it up was a, a copy of Dryland, um, a literary journal that was born there in South Central LA that you're a major player, a role, have a major role in. You're the, uh, you're the editor and founding founding editor-in-chief there mm-hmm. um, as well with a wonderful team you've got. And uh, the cover is one of those old peachy folders. I know the listeners can't see this, so I'm going to try and describe it, but it's a wonderful peachy folder, like the kind we used to have in high school and we'd scribble and draw mm-hmm. on, but there's this wonderful art that depicts the things and scenes that have been happening during this time of this pandemic, um, you know, and I think the art is by pa- Patrick, um, is it Martinez? Yeah, Patrick Martinez. Yeah, LA-based artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so I opened that book up and started to read it. Um, and I loved it. And then, uh, you know, you have in the book in this anthology, which is a f- fifth anniversary of this of your publication, you have poets who are well known, mingling with up and coming voices in there. How, uh, how did this get how did Dryland get started for you? Tell me, t- tell me about that. It, you know, it all comes from a place of, uh, well, you know, it was born in South Central, like mm-hmm. I was, and I always felt 
disconnected from the greater world, I guess you could mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find my place. I was lost. I was wandering through the streets. I was, you know, mm -hmm. I might have gone out of my mind a couple times. Yeah. And I reached a point where I was, I was kind of like, I need to find something. I need to find other people. I need to find like not just a connection, but like a context to my own life. Right. And I need to have questions answered or or at least played with, you know. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna just start a website and kind of receive submissions and just kind of, you know, um, and this isn't the first time I I, I run this kind of thing. I've done it before. I've kind huh. of been like, you know, one of those teenagers making zines and things like right. that. So got you, got you, yeah. I've always kind of been in publishing. Um, right. So this time around, I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna like see what I can do with it. So I started a website. And then after that, I realized I made no impact on <laughs> on, on on the world with that because nobody goes to websites for, mm -hmm. for those kinds of things, in my opinion. Right. Right. And so I was like, you know, the only way I could really truly bring a meaningful experience is if I just create a book because a book carries so much magic. And just like as, like you said, you were called to it and you didn't even know what it was. You just, you, you didn't yeah. even know what it was. You just kind of like saw the art and you opened yeah. it up. So yeah. that that was like my starting point, just looking for a connection for myself um, right. where, where there was a, a, a hunger for it. Right. And you have, and then, and then there's the um, vision. Okay. So that's like, that's the initial vision for, for, you know, reaching out and creating a kind of sense of community through, through literature that you had. And then there's the actual work of, you know, creating the ambitious work of creating an anthology, you know, and, and this is a very ambitious anthology. And I say that in the best sense of the word, uh, you know, you have, it's expansive. You've got uh, you've got nonfiction, you've got art, some really incredible artists, you've got great poets in there, up and coming voices, uh, you've got, you know, uh, interviews. Uh, so it just goes all over the place with um, voices and parts of the community that I've never heard of, um, that I had ne would never be exposed to otherwise, you know, what went into those curatorial choices for you and the editorial board? You know, what's funny is that over the years, my life has kind of been like that where I meet people and then I'm like, wow, I want to interview you or like, mm -hmm. let's write a, let's work together on, on creating a memoir piece for the mm -hmm. journal, you know? So it's kind of been like over the years, it's kind of been like that where life takes me where it wants to take me and I discover people and I put them in the journal. Mm. And so this time around, it was pretty much the same thing. Like I had met, um, you know, like, for example, Janice Miller, I knew her for a while. She's a poet and writer from Compton. Mm -hmm. And she we had a conversation one day and she was just like, oh, you know, I want to write about my sister. And so we had we, we had like a two hour conversation over the phone about her sister. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I was like, you know what, we should we should work on this. Like, let's write it. So she wrote it and I worked with her on on, you know, developing it. And wow. so. It's kind of, yeah, I mean, this is pretty much like a reflection of, yeah. of uh, how things are going with Dryland and the team. So we mm -hmm. don't actually push for anything. We're not like, um, most of the time, we don't really fall into things accidentally. 
Right. So we were kind of like, oh, hey, this person, you know, we really like this person. Let's see if we can get them, you know, like, right. let's see if this person would be interested in being interviewed by us. So like Patrick Martinez had heard about us. And so when I messaged him, he already knew who I was and he already heard wow. about me from a coffee shop in, in, in um, Huntington Park, Crucitas, mm -hmm. uh, because he goes there to eat. And I didn't even know that. So <laughs> he was just like, yeah, of course I'll do it. You know, of course. Right. And I was like, oh, cool. So, you know, everything just kind of yeah. happens. And so I let things happen. Right. And then I just work with them and I, and I work to develop them and try to make them the best. So, you know, it, it's great when things just fall into place and I just like get to play with them and present them. Yeah. And, and it's a wonderful, uh, you know, you, it's a wonderful production that you've created here with Triland. Um, it really is. You know, I, what I love about these kinds of um, indie type publishing ventures is that they are tending to take, especially during these, I'd say the, the kind of the trend of the last maybe 10 years um, of publishing, you know, uh, mm -hmm. where folks are looking, where publishers are generally looking for books that are much more marketable, you know, that, that obviously had, are they able to sell easier. Um, so when, when that happens, um, it seems to me that indie publishers have taken on the, have taken, have been willing to take bigger risks on writers um, and on subject matter um, than anything that a larger publisher might do, even a more established, reputable indie publisher might want to take on. So that's what you're doing. You're feeling this, you know, Dryland is filling that void. Um, but also what's, what I didn't know about, about Dryland, which you just told me now, that's really impressive is that the willingness you have to help develop uh, a writer's development, you know, working with that, which is something that I think is a kind of a very old school way of um, approaching publishing. I know that, gosh, back you know, probably up until maybe the early 90s. But before that, uh, a lot of publishing, some of the publisher, some of some publishers were willing to work with authors and in, in the development of their ideas and their careers. And all that after the 90s was sort of gone, you know, even probably even as, as early as the mid 80s. But I wouldn't know because I wasn't writing at that time. But <laughs> but um, I'm not that old. But just from just from my understanding and having conversations with other writers who who ha who were there during that time, it seems that you know that was a kind of a common thing back then. And yet you're you're able to because of your own because you have say in this, you're able to develop and help writers develop in certain directions. Like you're just talking about here in this with your friend writing this sort of memoir excerpt. You know that's a wonderful kudos to you for doing that for taking those. Yeah, <laughs> I love doing it. You know it's always been my dream to work with writers, other right. writers. And my dream has always been, you know, to kind of like hang out with other writers and poets. And we all just kind of like, mm. you know, have some kind of poetry salon like from Paris yeah. and we're all just like drinking and writing and yeah, yeah. sharing, sharing ideas and like talking about the work that we're working, you know, that we're doing, that we're working on. So for me, being able to work with a writer and help them develop a work is exciting. Yeah. It's like, I get to see their future. You know, it's like yeah. I'm doing some kind of um, looking at a, at, at a magic crystal ball and yeah. just being able to see all the possibilities in our work is amazing. And, right. and being able to be like, hey, I see this, I see this. And, and having that synergy with them too is just, right. I mean, I just, I think it, it, it's what makes writing amazing and wonderful. Yeah. you know, the relationships between editors and writers is just, you know, yeah. it, you could take it so far if you have a great editor. Right. And if you have yeah. a writer who's willing to take uh, risks and, and, and they trust you, you know, it's just, right. I love it. I love it. So yeah. Much. 
And I mean, that's the thing is these days publishers want the writer and the work to appear fully formed before they take them on. You know, they want them fully formed and having a platform and everything else ready to go. There's no sense of, uh, you know, a willingness to help coll to collaborate in the vision or the future, the career of the writer, you know, which um, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's, I think there's something being missed there, you know, um, if you're just I definitely agree. Oh, go, ahead, that, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I agree. I agree with you. I think like if you want something that's ready made and that's something that's like done and packaged beautifully and, yeah. you know, there's a bow on top and you're, you yeah. just have to place it into the, into the book. Right. I, I find that you do miss a lot of things because yeah. as an editor, you do read a lot and you, and, you know, there's a lot of, I feel like editors and writers were both like wells of information and experiences mm -hmm. and, you right. know, ideas and, and dreams and feelings and we're all connected to like this collective consciousness too and this you know kind of spiritual realm so I feel like when you come together to work on a piece you're kind of like getting as close as to as as to as ah, sorry close as you can get to a reflection of the times of mm. like what is going on yeah you know within these times and so I think like if you don't explore that you're gonna miss out like yeah it's gonna miss, it's good something's gonna something's yeah. not gonna fall right you know right. i don't know so no i agree um, if you're just tuning in, to, you, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and we're speaking with LA-based poet and editor Viva Padilla, an organizer and community uh, activist and cultural warrior and all these wonderful things <laughs> that you're doing out there. Viva, do you have uh, another poem that you can share with us? Sure. Um, I can read you one in Spanish that's pre-pandemic yeah. or post, uh, not post-pandemic, during pandemic. Okay. Um, so. Sure, whatever you'd like. I, I will read... A one that was pre-pandemic and uh, in Spanish. Okay. Sueño americano ni que nada. Cargaste tus huesos como maletas de hierro sobre arena y sangre. La oscuridad te escondió y al calor. Un gran ojo mecánico te encontró, te pellizcó como si fuera zancudo y en una hora cruzó todo el terreno que en una semana ya casi te reclamó. Papá, ¿de qué soñabas? Si eres montaña, no bolsa de rocas. Acá las montañas las matan. No conviven con los cosmos, se convierten en carreteras o tierra. Ah, sí, regresaste y esta vez te hicieron tierra. Te sacaron lo que te regaló el grito del sol y te dejaron seco, polvo. Tirado, tumba, pero más americano que nunca. Me iré a Coquimatlán, a tu rancho, a regresar este maldito sueño y allí yo olvidarlo. Wow, that is the voice of LA-based poet uh, Viva Padilla. Uh, what a touching poem, um, reflecting on your father and of course, you know what the the, uh, the process of what it means to achieve the quote unquote American dream. Yeah, good old American dream, right? Yeah. Let me ask you. Um, I want to ask you something. Uh, where 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 were you when poetry first found you? Like where were oh, you? Not just where were you physically, but where were you in your life <laughs> when poetry found you? 
you know, it's so funny because I don't have like, I can't pinpoint it. I can't be like, well, you know, somebody read me a poem at an open mic and I was like, I can do that. No, I, I, I kind of been luckily um, just always exposed to it through uh, the teachings of like my, well, mainly my dad, my dad, he was like a Bible, biblical scholar. He was, you know, he made us read the Bible when we were kids wow. in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So we were always reading the Bible. You know, we had Bible study at home. He would make us read the Bible in Spanish and then explain it to him. And then he would ask us questions and we'd have to answer them. And I think that's pretty much how it all started. Because then after that, I, I was just always a big reader. I was always right. reading as a little girl. And I was writing my own little stories and like creating little books for myself, you know, like Mm -hmm. I would staple papers together and I was always just going through all the books in the house. And so I think that's where it began because I I don't remember there being a point where I was like, oh, I love poetry or, or or, I want to write it. I just kind of then began to write it and I just kind of never stopped. And yeah, so. Well, you've been so busy uh, editing anthologies. We didn't even, I haven't even touched on the other anthology you have also, uh, Hombre Lobo, uh, True Chicanex Spooky Stories, which is a wonderful uh, collection of true, well, as it says, true spooky stories, true Chicanex spooky stories. (laughs) I love that one. I love even the kind of you know, we don't, we don't, we don't have enough anthologies like that, <laughs> but I know that you've been busy doing all this work. Um, and, but you, if I'm not mistaken, you're currently working or almost completing a manuscript of poetry, your first, uh, which would be your first, uh, I guess, collection. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I, um, I'm that. working on a bilingual thing. So sometimes my poems come out in Spanish, sometimes they come out in English. So what I'm doing uh-huh. is translating them and hopefully they, they can hook. Um, so We'll see what happens with that, but but yeah, I'm currently working on that with my agent, and nice. you know she's got me on like some hard deadlines, so I'm supposed to be ready by that, wow. you know, sometime in the spring. So nice, nice, yeah. that's incredible. Coming but, soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, when your book does come out, we're gonna have to have you back on the show and talk with you about the book. Um, I would love that. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have just another minute here, and I want to ask you: um, in your anthology, in the anthology here, Dryland, the fifth anniversary, uh, who are the voices in this anthology that are that we haven't heard about yet, and that you're most excited about? You know, I I'm always excited about people who, you know, are coming out of places like South Central or mm-hmm. the Valley who don't think they're poets. And I tell them, you know, just submit a poem or two and just we'll see what happens. So to me, that's always the most exciting part is like finding that there's a poet within someone. Mm. So in this this particular issue, we have people from, not just from South Central. So it's not always South Central. We have voices from all over the country, you know, Canada, people from New York, um, Mm. you know, so it's not, yeah, from the Bay Area, yeah. Tango Eisen Martin is in here, who just became uh, Poet Laureate of San Francisco. Barbara Jane Reyes uh, is in there, yeah. Barbara Jane Reyes, right? And then we got some artists from Chicago, from Mexico, uh, and Compton as well, and actually from Panama. So 
I think it's just kind of like, I feel like if, if you can connect, you know, on a universal level, like on this level that is much needed where we're all, we all recognize our, each other as, as um, human, you know, humans with dignity who, and, and power. And if we all recognize ourselves like that, I think it, you would really connect with this journal. Right. It's not, you know, it's not all just like we're all showing off how great we are. It's really just we're all rooted in in all being in solidarity with making the world a better place. And as corny as that sounds, like it's we need that. Like we need more optimism and dreams and we need to be in the future now. You know, yeah. so I definitely feel like these voices reflect the future and the present and giving a little nod to the past, of course, but we're definitely future makers here. Absolutely. Wonderful way of putting that. And, and, and with that, you know, uh, we just want to say thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for all the work you're doing there in California and in, in Los Angeles specifically, but, you know, uh, around the country and around the world, because I know you're in Cuba as well. So just mm -hmm. all the work you've been doing, we wish you continued good luck and, and uh, good fortune on all the stuff that you've got going on. And we have to definitely, like I said, have you back when your book drops. Um, you know, we're fans of yours here now. So, so thank you yeah. Viva, for coming on the show and for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. This is great. I loved it. Wonderful. Take care. All right. You too. Um, are you there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, perfect. Thank you so much Ria, for, for doing this with, uh, with us and your show will probably, it'll be out in the next couple of weeks. Like your, it'll air in the next couple of weeks and it'll air locally first, like here throughout the KTEP uh, radio waves and the Frontera. And then after that, we're going to put it like in a few days, it'll go up onto the social media and we can get it on podcast and all that stuff too. Okay. Awesome. Is there any kind of flyer or, I mean, I want to make one, but do you, you have one or yeah, we have, we have, um, we finally have two assistants who are working with us and doing all the social media platform stuff and they're creating flyers for individual authors and then posting them and stuff. So we'll do that as well. You'll see that. Um, okay, cool. I'll spend, send it around. Okay. Thank you. So, yeah, so well, thank you so much. That was amazing. I love, I loved it. I mean, it yeah, you're, you're, I love talking to you. Yeah. It was a really good interview. I was like, I feel I, like we can keep. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I was like, I didn't even get through half of my questions. Honestly, I had so many more questions. Like I said, I was, I was trying to fit it all in, like, you know, and then the, the spooky stories and then the Cuba. And I was like, I don't, there's so much going on. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It'll give there's us more. so much. Um, if, yeah. If you're ever in LA, just hit me up. Maybe we can like actually get into the conversations we want to get into on a you know, sure. deeper and, you know, level <laughs> and stuff. So. For sure. Okay. For sure. We'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Have a good right. day. Thank Bye. you for having me. That wraps it up for this edition of Words on a Wire. We'd like to thank our guest, Viva Padilla, and our producer, Sam Casiano, as well as our podcast producer, Claudia Flores. Be sure to find our archive shows on our podcast at Apple or Spotify. And uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place, right here on Words on a Wire, KTEP 88.5 FM, your NPR station for the Southwest.